you gotta see that naked unicorn over there. Ow, I'm so naked. Tank fly, boss walk, jam, nitty gritty. You're listening to the boy from the big bad city, and this is Jam Hot. Welcome to the Naked Unicorn Podcast, hosted by Jason Sorotin. Hello and welcome to the Naked Unicorn Podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin, and joined by me today, or with me today, is the man with the golden voice, Colin. Colin, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So Colin um, is a jack of all trades here at ECG, and Colin spends a lot of time with our lighting department. And we're going to be talking about lighting departments and our lighting department in general. Colin, what's the first thing you think about when you hear the word lighting department? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, shoot. First thing that comes to your head. Uh, like color temperature. Okay, that's a great place. <laughs> Did you know that um, the color temperature is the color of what's called a black body radiator? So imagine that you had a piece of coal and you heated it up. That's the black body radiator. And how hot it is and the color it turns based on its hotness is the degrees in Kelvin. Oh, see, I, didn't, I did not know that. I, I, I've always been curious why it was measured in Kelvin. That makes... That's actually super cool. <laughs> yes. That that was actually the very first blog I ever wrote mm-hmm. was about black body radiators. <laughs> that seems insane because like, like once you get past like 5,600 when things are like super white, you know, or like almost blue, what does that look like in, in, in a black body radiator? It just gets white hot, right? I mean, yeah, but they like get like moony pets. You know, once you go past a certain temp, it gets like, you know almost like blue you know what that we should have a scientist in and mm. examine this with the scientist yeah we should do our own black body radiator <laughs> yes exactly that would be super fun i'm sure we have what we need to get cold that hot <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure so let's talk about our lighting department sure so i've been watching you all day you've been back in uh studio c and have you named the gear area next to studio c not not yet it, it it still is like in the the formative phases so it needs its its labeling and it needs to be its its christian name uh <laughs> is yet to to be given yeah but so if you go into the back um of our facility uh where studio c is mm-hmm. there's a large area to the right uh, which houses a lot of our lighting gear, and we have we've gathered a significant ton, uh, amount of lighting gear over the past right. couple of years. We have a we 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 have a pretty good spectrum of you know accessible lights, just like you said, picking them up over the years over time. But uh, that lighting technology has changed so much, even in like the the five years that I've been been working here. So it's it's crazy to see what is around now and what we pick up and you know, little by little, the changes we get and how it really does affect our shots uh, on a pretty, pretty wide level. Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of different technology that's come out in Mm -hmm. terms of LED and, you know, now you have like LEDs that can do the same as the HMIs, which, you know, five years ago, you would have been like, what the, how is that even possible? The output on a lot of the the new LEDs are insane. We, We haven't, gotten our hands on Ari's orbiter yet but that's still the dream is to, to play with that thing because that is oh my gosh I've, ne- I've never been so excited to watch a, a trailer about a piece of, of equipment when I, until I watched that. Yeah absolutely and we have a, a, a ton of LED lighting mm-hmm. we also have 
tungsten in our Aries, and we have um, the Kinos. The Kinos. Super yeah, useful. We love the Kinos. Yeah. How many Kinos do we have now? Like, <sighs> shoot, we have. Uh, I believe it's uh, three of the two banks, and like six or seven of the four banks, and then all the bulbs to mix and match as, as much as we need. Yeah. So you can go to daylight to tungsten. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know what a Kino is, what is a Kino flow? So it's just a fixture for long. Um, Similar to like the fluorescent tubes you'd see in like, you know, overhead lighting in a lot of places, but, you know, much better bulbs, great lighting quality, but just an array of those, either two by four, they're usually ours. We have four foot kinos, um, throw nice, wide, even light. You know, we, we tend to do a mix on the temperature, so it's really, really nice and even. You can diffuse it really well, throws super wide, so nice to light rooms or even, even you know, close-up interviews do well with those. Yeah, it's super, super soft light. People mm-hmm. love the Kino look. Yeah. I thought it was going to die for a while when LEDs come out, but we still have a lot of people who request that Kino look. Yeah, the, um, oh gosh, is the Quasar bulbs. Yes. The, those, are, those are great. We, I mean, we, we busted them out for the, the, uh, the Earth Gang shoot. That was, you know, probably the most fun I've ever had lighting was with those. And the Kinos are similar, but they still, you know, the they, they still have a, a little bit more of a natural quality to them that I think people really like on the Kino bulbs. Yeah, you bring up a really great uh, segue here, and that's to talk about. Let's use, uh, we just shot something with um, our client Backwoods and um, Earth Gang uh, with Dreamville Records. That's Jay mm-hmm. Cole's label. And it, we shot in a mansion and we made it like an Alice in Wonderland type world. Colin, can you take me through what your crew was like on that day? What were the positions? And then how do you guys approach something like that uh, from Tech Scout and beyond? So we had we had probably an, an all star team in terms of, of grip and gaff uh, on that on that shoot um, where we we had our our one ton truck, you know, packed to the gills. But. A lot of the lighting was done with the the quasar tubes, the LED bulbs, which are you know full RGB, all the effects and stuff. And we got to do a lot with color, uh, contrasting on those shots, all the different setups. Um, the bulbs are great because the great thing about those is you'll see it a lot when people shoot with them. They they look great even in frame. It's not something you have to hide. They're just a they look like you know neon bars. They're they're really um, they're the output is insane. But we we had a. You know, from the get-go with that one, we like you said with the tech scout, we did a good job of figuring out you know where we wanted those, and that was definitely a, uh, an artistic challenge, but was fun from a lighting perspective to like really crank it out and do something special with those. And the footage shows it. It's it just the, you know the the contrasting colors we did on that were gorgeous, and those those setups were a lot of fun, a lot of different colors, a lot of uh, you know dynamic sort of sort of looks. We, we we hid them in some interesting places to cast some light, and you know. The whole thing was hazed up, so there was you know, a lot of, you know, a lot going on with the lighting in that one. And what was your crew like that day? Who, how many people did you have? Were there specific roles, or was every yeah. was it one of those shoots where we're all kind of like working together in teams, and there is no lead? I think that one was great because we were it was a little bit more regimented because it had to be. We were such on such a tight you know uh, schedule. We only had the talent for a little while. We had a lot to get done, and I, I really am proud of that shoot and how the lighting department, it was uh, mostly, it was myself, uh, Wilson, Drake, uh, another ECG employee, and then uh, Mally, who's a, a local grip, a friend of the of the company that we, we hired on, he, great, great guy to work with. It was one of those things of, it required a lot of coordination and a lot of quick moving and, and communication. And, you know, we did a, 
I, I thought we did a really good job with that. Of we had to get in there and make a lot of switches and do a lot of blocking things out, on, like you know, on the fly, um, and it, it paid off great. We I was again really really proud of that one, how that turned out in our team there, because outside of that we had a, a you know a massive bunch of PAs, but everyone was all over the place. So it was important that we had our our stuff locked down and we knew what was going on, so that nothing you know anything that came up we were able to approach pretty quickly. Yeah, so let let's go through some of the people who who might have been in that lighting department. So, mm-hmm. Gaffer, yep. who is the head of the lighting department, best boy, who mm-hmm. is the second. And we looked up, I think it was in our last podcast, that if it's a a female, um, they do call her. The they best call girl. it the best girl, which makes a lot of sense. Which is what you'd hope for. That you don't just be like, well, this is the name, and that's what it stays. Yeah, it's a, it's a gendered thing for no reason. I wonder if they do best they. I mean, I'm sure if if you have a, if if it's a if if it's a pronoun issue, you just change the the title in general. No one's no one's so stuck on best boy, best girl that they right, won't right. that they won't be accommodating for someone who can do the job well. I wonder if that's ever been in the credits of a movie yet. Is best girl or best they? Like, that's something like we need to look person. up. Yeah, yeah, best person. Um, all right. So then we have a Jenny operator. A Jenny yeah. operator is someone who runs the generator mm-hmm. on a lot of sets. You'll have one. They have uh, giant uh, generators that um, are, are very quiet, and they're called whisper generators. And then you have putt-putt generators. What other generators have we used, Colin? Anything? Uh, nothing crazy. Like, on, on that shoot, we de- definitely didn't do it. But, uh, like, we've had, you know, a lot of the outdoor shoots when we shot for Mercedes. We used a, a pretty large generator. Uh, I guess you could consider it a putt-putt. I mean, had crazy output. But yeah. it, it Good stuff. Again, still that technology is coming very far, very oh, yeah. fast with fuel cells. Well, and it's and it's a it's a kind of a a, a dual benefit of the a, a lot of the LED lights that you'll see being used now, and like as the technology gets better and better, they pull less power. Whereas like an HMI just chugs so much, just can pull so much off of a of the source that you'll see LEDs like the the RE Sky panels. I I don't know the out, the exact output off my head, but they you can you're safe on those most of the time uh they just don't they don't need as much power which is great so i like like you said as as generator technology gets better and gets easier to generate that power the the, what you're asking of that power is also lightening that load so it it helps absolutely uh then we have um an electric third electric it's basically Mm -hmm. a, a set lighting uh technician or SLT, you have a lighting console programmer. And so that's also referred to as a board operator. That's somebody who's working, uh, uh, you know, the controls on, mm-hmm. on a lighting board. Uh, Mostly for, you know, stage lighting. Yep. Um, then you have a rigging electric. Those are the guys who, and gals who put up the uh, lights and hang them. Um, rigging gaffer, they work alongside the gaffer to figure out how the power runs and how it's necessary. Cause that's what people don't think about. You've got all these lights and if you've got, you know, an 18 K light, right. Yeah. You know, that's a huge source of light right. running a huge amount of power. You gotta know where it's coming from. Exactly. So on a tech scout column, what are you guys looking for in terms of power? How do you guys plan that out on, on if you'll have enough, you know, wattage? Well, if we're running voltage, I feel like, you know, you hit the point where if you're running something like an 18 K, you're going to want your own, set power and you'll have your your generators on a truck to pull that kind of stuff uh but uh, like in a lot of the shoots that we do it's just it's a lot of you know knowing what lights we're going to use knowing how much power they're going to pull and just kind of whether you're in a safe threshold if you're shooting in like someone's house or in an office building a lot of times you're not going to be pulling enough lights where you're in any danger so it's really just 
knowing where your sources of power are and you know making everything safe a lot of clearing cable path and simple stuff like that yeah one of my first jobs in the business was running cable from satellite mm. trucks no oh, man yeah you didn't go the distance with that stuff. thousands of feet of cable oh, yeah. and then making sure that there were I can't remember, but they're those things that stop it from losing power through the lines. Yeah, the like the like uh, active like pass through. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what they're called right now. Um, Okay, so um, on set we also have uh, rigging best boy electric. Um, They carry out the notes from the rigging gaffer. You've got rigging electricians. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are the ones doing the hardest work out of anyone, in my opinion. They'll lay in the cables and put the rig uh, from the direction and the rigging best. And they do everything, all the heavy work. They're like lifting the stuff. So that's, that's a tough one. You have a head fixtures technician. You've got lots of fixtures. You've got DMX tech. That's your controller for your lights. Like if you're oh, running yeah. a board, uh, you've got your lot best boy. And then, I mean, just the, there's an infinite number of titles to, you know, there's always, every shoot is different. You know, you have your, your, your niche things. Absolutely. If you're doing a Marvel movie, you've got, oh my God. you know, hundreds of people in your rigging department alone sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not hundreds. I think that, that's, but, that's an but overstatement. But a size of a small army still. Exactly. So, you know, 75 people looks like a few hundred if they're all on one stage, like running around. Well, with especially gear. once you start getting into like when you're craning your lights up and you need your giant fly swatters and all that, you know you get to the point where you, you need a lot of people just to make sure you're safe. Yeah. How come do you think in the lighting department, well, I guess in every department, but I think it stems from the lighting department is the names in which people make up for certain pieces of equipment, you know, like an extension cord is a stinger, yeah. you know, like, a light bulb is a lamp. I think it's just ease of walkie communication. Just like when you have strict terms for things that are, you know, specific that are just kind of, in the the vernacular uh, amongst your team it just makes it easier to to know exactly what is needed you know the shortest quickest way to clearly communicate you know what's needed where is always the best way to go yeah yeah i i was reading um elon musk um and when i say reading i mean listening to mm-hmm. um the book the biography that ashley simpson did on him not ashley simpson jessica simpson's sister but I didn't, yeah she's a prolific <laughs> uh, bi- bi- biographist biographer biographer i think Bi- yeah that makes sense um and uh people at spacex were using all of these like acronyms mm. and he wrote a memo out to everybody that says if the acronym is harder to say than the real world, your word, you're wasting time. I just thought that was great. I don't know if I agree with that, though. Like, I, I, I think that that the if the acronym is common amongst the people that use it and it just like makes it easy to communicate a, a, an idea, you know, even if it's just, oh, well, you just call it by its thing. And it's like, yeah, but there are specific you know nuances and context where the term itself is more important within a certain group. Just, you know maintaining their vocabulary and just kind of the flow of ideas i think it can be useful to have your own word for things even if it is like well i call it a stinger when chord is you know this the same amount of syllables it's like yeah but as it fits into the the this language as a whole i think it's important to have that man i would pay ten thousand dollars to have elon musk here to argue his point that would be amazing yeah we'd just it'd be like the joe rogan show we'd just be sparking up blunts and (laughs) ruining investors plans <laughs> i love that um so colin what do you think what 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 typically describes a um a, a, a really good lighting department what would you what words would you describe what are the important elements um i definitely say listening to your dp obviously of like what they want and but also just kind of it, weirdly just like 
a lot of staring and understanding of, of what your lights do and just like kind of trial and error, not being afraid to do something that is a little unique uh, to try to, you know, get a, a fun effect and, and just trying stuff. We've had so many things where it's like you start with something, you know, super generic, you know, three point lighting system that just works. And then you go from there to kind of flare it up and everyone wants something different. Um, you know, so we've had times where it's like, you'll do something really interesting and cool that looks great. And the client doesn't want that. They want, you know, super bland, straightforward, no drama, you know, looks, which is, which is fine. And just kind of working within that space. And even when, if you have to do something boring, do something boring, the coolest way you can, you know? Yeah. So, so a good lighting department, they not only are creative, mm. but they're also flexible. Well, and also being quick is, is I mean, that's all that goes with, like we talked about grip and gaff is that staying in that st that ready crouch uh, all the time is, is the best bet because it, it's another part of the, the job that is, you know, f your work is condensed into very intense bursts of, you know, I got to get this up. I got to be quick. And now while they're shooting, I am waiting. But you're always ready to make changes when they need to be made. And know what you need to do. What's something that is essential to a lighting department worker? What it, it like, is it the tool belt? Is it a leather man? Like what is the most essential tool that you're always grabbing for? I'm the worst. I hate, uh, I, I don't like tool belts. Like I feel like a lot of time when I see them on set, I just think they're like unnecessary and pretentious, but that's just me being incredibly too image conscious. You know, <laughs> I don't want to look like a try hard when I'm there. When it, when, and then when I'm like, who has a tool? I don't have one on my belt. Uh, but I'd say just the best tool, I mean, I don't know, probably, I mean, obviously it's, it's dumb, but your eyes are definitely your best bet. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> being a good judge of, of angles and, you know, just staying loose and creative is definitely your best asset. Um, but in terms of actual tools, I mean, you can't go wrong with a, a good knife. I feel like every every good grip I know has a has a, a you know a nice utilitarian knife yeah. to get in there and gaff tape of course. Oh well, yeah, gaff tape is your is your baby. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> it is it is really good. All right, so why wh what do you think for for people getting into the business mm -hmm. that want to be uh, gaffers, grips, best boys, rigging? What do you what do you suggest their career path be? Oh man, I'm. I say with with a lot of stuff like I got into lighting just kind of uh, kind of by chance where it was a need that, ne that you know needed to be filled and you know that's I really like finding those holes and, and stepping in and um, it's kind of something I stumbled into and you know kind of had to had to learn to love but I never I never disliked it um, but it, it definitely is something that you have you have to develop an eye for um, I still spend a lot of time I'll just set up something in the studio um, and then just play with it. Uh, yeah. Like what of, you did with the sky panels. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the, that was one of the, when I was just getting started was the first, when we, we had, we had a couple sky panels for a shoot. I took, uh, some plastic models that I built, um, models. It, yeah. They were toys. They're, they're, they're plastic. <laughs> no, they're plastic models. Uh, <laughs> they took a lot of time to build They're toys. They're my toys and I love them. Uh, and, uh, I took them into the back and just, played with different lighting setups and diffusion with a macro lens uh and just it, it was just practicing and trying stuff and just kind of i still do it to this day i'll 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 just set up a light and then just put all the kind of diffusion i can find on it just to see the really subtle nuances between like what's this you know 250 doing versus the the light grid and then those moments where you can bring in where you know your dp might be like oh i want to try this light and you're like well instead of that what if we tried 
this you know there's always a time and a place to to bring those up and ask your dp if they want to if you have an idea of like well what if we bounced you know off the ceiling and then did you know something different um you know having it in your back pocket and knowing or having an idea of what how you manipulate your light what it's going to do to it is, is is huge and especially as like any there's so many factors that can affect your light and being ready and prepared to know you know different options we've had some really tight setups where we can't get a light to where it would be the optimal spot and understanding that well then we need to bounce it or we need to try something new like that's huge and so if, if lighting something you want to you want to get into just trying stuff out uh, there's also i mean youtube has infinite tutorials on you know good three-point interview setups or showing you what diffusion will do but you really need to get your own hands on it um, yeah, I would say rather than having your parents spend uh, twenty five thousand to one hundred thousand dollars on school, yeah. have them buy you a bunch of lights and then go out and use them with uh, friends and clients and make totally. money and learn how to use them and be great with them. Yeah. It's an investment that always pays off. I mean, we we have some Mole Richardsons like some really old ones. Oh, yeah. I don't know where they are, but I do. they've got to be at least 30 <laughs> years old, right? Yeah, I know exactly where those lights are. <laughs> they're beautiful lights. They're, they're, they they they're still cool. work just fine. Yeah, they're they're the they, Fernells. Yeah, they they were they were they were great. You know, they still get the job done. And lighting doesn't need to be crazy expensive if you're a little cre if you're creative with it. Oh. Um, yeah, we used to take uh those like lights that you put in under your car of your uh yeah, yeah, yeah. under the car and they have the like the metal shield around them from yep. Home Depot. Yeah, I mean there are are tons of creative ways and to make your own lights too. Yeah. I mean nowadays there's I mean all this information out there. So don't be discouraged by not having the money or the gear. Totally. Because it's about creativity and I think even good lighting departments that are working together can use practicals really well yeah. a practical meaning something that's in the scene a lamp or whatever right. and now we have you know you have um uh the hue light bulbs right. you've got the mercury light bulbs you've got all these bulbs that you can play with so that you can make more practicals and i think that's even more of a challenge when you're limited so if you think about like 360 video right. you're very limited you can't you got to hide can't lights hide anything anyway. right so you got to make things practical or or put them where they can kind of blend in but i i just think that there's a lot of opportunities for people to do really cool things without giant budgets or big crews. And I totally. think people get stuck on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the weird advice of like, well, how do I get started in this? And it's like, you just do it. You just, you have to, you know, take the jump and give it, a, give it a shot. Yeah, but definitely. So we learned today, the key to a good lighting department is good people who want to learn and work together totally that you have people who are dedicated to getting putting the best effort on the screen and being flexible for the client efficient communicators efficient communicators you've got uh, people who understand what all the names of the gear are because there's so much different kinds of gear from Madalini's Cardellini's Mathalini's like oh there's so many leanies yeah <laughs> you know platypus clamps and, and all that stuff and spuds there's just an incredible vocabulary, so you need to know that. You need to have access to good transportation to bring lights. Mm -hmm. 
there's just so many things that make up a good lighting department. And if, if you are in need of a good lighting department or need lighting help, we're happy to help. We're happy to send you to freelancers that we know are good. We just want to share the love and put good people to work. So Colin, thank you so much for your time today. No problem. Really appreciate it. If you need anything at all, hit us up at info at ecgprod.com or fill out the contact form on ecgprod.com. Thank you for the Naked Unicorn Podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin. Have a good one. Ow, I'm so naked. <laughs>